Love changes everything, doesn't it? When you, what the world calls, fall in love, you act different. You talk different. You plan different. Guys start cleaning their cars and cleaning their rooms or their house and dressing a little differently. You begin to set yourself apart and your time apart and your phone calls apart for the one you love. You might even say silly things like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up. Of course, we used to hang up. Now you just click a button. By the way, it's not as much fun to hang up on somebody as it used to be. I've just hit a button. But love changes everything. We begin to do those things not out of grudging obedience, but because we love a person, we, are, we, we become devoted to that person and, and we seek to, 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 to win them if that's the process or to please them all out of love for them. And it's our joy to do it. Often our friends wonder what is happening to us. But this is true spiritually as well. When we really embrace who we are. When we really embrace the fact that apart from Jesus Christ, we are dead in sins and trespasses. That we are enemies of God. That we are separated from God by our sin. That we deserve His wrath. And yet, we see what He has done in response to our sin. We see the mercy of God available in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He lived for us. That He died for us. That He was raised for us. That He offers reconciliation with God. Salvation. As a free gift of grace to us. It seems almost too good to be true, right? How many times have you said that to yourself? Can this really be real? I mean, is it really? This seems too good to be true that God would just give me eternal life, even give me the faith to receive it. But through the preaching of that gospel, the Holy Spirit produces faith and repentance so that we turn and we trust in Jesus and we have gratitude and love in our hearts for Christ. That results in joyful efforts to grow in grace. See, if your efforts to grow are begrudging and... I mean, Cindy was keeping a little boy one day and she was telling him to do something and I don't even remember what she was telling him to do. And he eventually acquiesced and said, Yes, ma'am, but I am very angry. (laughs) That's not really the kind of love I'm talking about. Legalism will do that for you. It'll make you shine up the outside, but it won't produce any growth in grace because it doesn't have grace in its foundation. But love for Christ, because the Spirit has produced that. R.C. Sproul said, if you have any love for Christ, it's evidence of God's work in you because you're not born with any love for Christ. But see, the gospel produces gratitude. The gospel produces love. The gospel produces joy, even in the midst of our trials, that flowers in, in growth in grace. Jesus said, and and I don't think he said this with a scowling face. He's just stating a fact. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I don't keep his commandments in order to love him, to gin it up. The gospel produces love in my heart so that I grow in keeping his commandments. It's a work of God's grace that we want to grow. See, love changes us, or it should. If the gospel you have believed in requires nothing of you, 
It's probably not the true gospel. Because we are called on to repent and to trust and have a life of repentance and faith and to love and honor and, and seek to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But love, which the gospel produces, if it's true, genuine love, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, it will produce change in our lives. See, last week, Corey preached on the thrilling love of God. Mire up in the thrilling love of God. This week, we're going to look at the transforming love of God, primarily from verse 5. But I want us to see this one point as we go away. And this is something you come back to daily. And over the year, make 2020 a year of growth. Because, main point, because God has imparted new life and spiritual riches to us in Christ, we should make every effort to grow in godliness. Because God has imparted new life and spiritual riches to us in Christ, we should make every effort to grow in godliness. Look first at the basis as Peter presents it in the first four verses. The basis of our growth or the basis of our striving to grow. He says this, Simon Peter, to the apostle, of, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained, watch this, an equal standing with ours. And we have equal standing with the apostles because what is credited to us through faith in Jesus Christ is his right standing, his righteousness. We're not only forgiven, but we're credited with his righteousness. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. Now watch that. Look how it's multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us everything. You're not missing anything. His divine power has granted to us everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness through, notice there's a path, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that, notice there's a purpose. Through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is world because of sinful desires. See, this is the first part of that main point. God has implanted new life and spiritual riches to us in Christ. And I'm going to be brief on this point because I'm pointing you back to a whole sermon on it. Which Corey preached last week. Our spiritual riches in Christ. Review that. Share that. It was really, really good. But look what Peter says to us. First of all, he doesn't start with just a command, right? He doesn't start with, you stink, change. He doesn't start with, do more, try harder. He gives a summary, in summary form, the riches that God has granted to us freely in Christ. In verse 1, he says, we have equal standing in Christ's righteousness. Equal standing, equal standing with the apostles, equal standing in God's church because it's not because we're on the basis of our efforts we are ranked. It's because we didn't have any righteousness and we come to faith in Christ and we're cleansed of our sin and we're credited the righteousness of God in Christ. Not God's inherent righteousness, but the righteous Jesus, righteousness Jesus attained for us in his life of keeping God's commandments in thought, word, and deed. Never failing once always loving the father never sinning in any way and his righteousness is credited to us when god grants faith to us and we trust in him so you're you're cleansed from all sin you're credited with his righteousness and then he 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 says may you grow in peace 
May grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of knowing Christ, trusting Christ, walking with Christ, growing in knowing more about Him. Equal standing in Christ's righteousness. Grace and peace multiplied through knowing Him. And now watch this. I want you to really embrace this. It says His divine power, His work. It's a work of His grace, what He has done for us. His divine power has granted to us most things that pertain to life and godliness. Not everything. We got to do some of this, right? We got to work some of this. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been granted to you. Through the knowledge of Him who called you to His own glory and excellence. Everything that you need to live a life that glorifies God is granted to you in Christ through a knowledge of His promises. It says we have His very great. Notice that. Verse 4. He's granted to us His precious and very great promises. Where? In our feelings. Just in our hearts naturally. Just follow your heart, right? In His Word. You have His precious and very great promises in His Word. And it's through the Word. The Word builds the church by the work of the Spirit. The Word points us to Jesus. The Word is what the Spirit uses to grow us in grace. Christ said, sanctify them by your truth. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have been richly granted a treasure trove in Christ. Look back in 1 Peter. He said this before in, in different way, but kind of the same things. He's rooting and grounding the church in God's grace before he challenges the church to grow in that grace. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. He has... Who caused it? He did. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus said you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Corey preached that faithfully last week. Back and listen to that. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. Notice what your inheritance is because you're co-heirs with Christ. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, which is kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Notice, faith is the instrument and faith is a work of God's grace. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And God, through that faith that He gives you and grows in you, is guarding you by His power. And keeping you for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He's going to take you all the way to being glorified. Look at what Peter is saying that we have. We have new birth because of God. We have a living hope because of the resurrection of Christ. We have an undefiled and unfading inheritance in Christ who is seated on the throne for us. And by His power we're being guarded through the instrument of the faith that we, He has given us. We have heard the gospel. 
by His grace and we have trusted in Christ. What I want you to do is what Corey was challenging you to do last week. Look into God's Word and revel in the riches that are yours in Christ. Look into God's Word and, and be thrilled by His love for you. An undeserved love. A love that was granted to you before the foundation of the world. You were given to His Son. His Son came to live and die and be raised and reign for you. To bring the Gospel to you. And the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Gospel. New birth. New life, faith and repentance has brought you to your, his, Himself and He will take you all the way home. Look to Christ in God's Word and revel in all of that. And it's all promised to you as a free gift. Eternal life. What is the thing people fear usually more than anything else? is death, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Eternal life is yours through faith in Christ. John 5, 24. If you're trusting Christ now, you have eternal life. It's already begun. You're part of the new creation. Already. So He's promised to us eternal life. Fullness of joy and satisfaction. Fulfillment and peace forever. You've been born again by God's grace. You've been fully forgiven of all of your sins. You've been fully clothed in Christ's righteousness. You are reconciled to God through Christ. You are delivered from death and wrath because of Christ living and dying for you. You are a child of God. So be thrilled with God's love. Be excited about God's love. Be reminding yourself every day of God's love for you. Rest in it. Enjoy it. Be fueled by it. It is free. Maybe you've not heard a word I said yet, and maybe you're not trusting in Christ. Listen to me for just a few seconds. Repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn and receive Him as your Savior. Christ lived for us. He died for us. He was under the death power of death for a time, but He was raised the third day. He is reigning to see His gospel go to the ends of the earth, and He is coming again. It's as simple as John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you trusting, kids, are you trusting in Jesus this morning for your salvation? Adults, are you trusting in Jesus? He died for us according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. And salvation, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Receive Him and His salvation as a free gift. This is the foundation of our growth. Not our wisdom, not our efforts, not our strength, not our morals, but God's grace to us in Christ. The, the foundation of our growth is to know how Im immeasurably loved we are by God, even though we don't deserve it. The gospel is the foundation. And we have everything necessary for life and godliness. But secondly, listen, the reason I said if the gospel's never changed you, the gospel challenges us. It not only comforts us, it challenges us to grow, to love and live for Jesus. Look at secondly at the foundation, uh, the gospel challenge to our growth. And this is what I want us to see. And in, in one sense, I want us to stamp it on our foreheads. Because we, some of us were raised in settings where the flavor was let go and let God. 
You don't really have to work. God will just do it in you. You have Jesus now. You've been saved. It's all downhill from here. That's not true. That's not true grace. You never have to earn your salvation, but there's some work to be done flowing in and out of it. Look what Peter says. You don't have to believe me. But he says this in, in verse 5. For this very reason. What reason? That I've been reconciled to God. That I have everything necessary for life and godliness. And through a knowledge of Him in His promises. I have everything I need by, by being reconciled to God through Christ. By having the Word of God and having the Spirit. I have everything I need to live a life that growingly glorifies Jesus. Now watch what he says. This is the, how the gospel, that's how Peter, is how the word challenges us to respond to God's grace. Now watch this, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. Because you are, an, you are an heir of God's grace in Christ, you should be diligent. This is the second part of the main point. Diligent to grow in grace. Make every effort. I won't go into all the reasons why. If you look at the original construction in the Greek, it's a faithful translation to bring this out as a command. So the Holman Christian Standard, the NIV, the Net Bible, some others say make every effort. If you have a King James or a New King James, it might say giving all diligence. NAS, applying all diligence. Does that sound like a let go and let God Christianity to you? Mm -hmm. And we don't own the weight of it. God, it's a work of grace, right? Our growth is a work of grace, just like our justification or being accepted by God. I'll talk a little more about that later if you wonder what those words mean. But notice what the, how the word calls us to respond to the gospel. For this reason, the gospel and all our riches in Christ. Now you make every effort to add to your faith. To supplement your faith. Not to deny it. Not to forget it. Not to forget the gospel. But you have a responsibility in Christ as a child of God. To make every effort to grow. Christian life is often compared to a race. And where the runner keeps their eyes fixed on the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And strives for the tape. Every step is a diligent, forceful step towards that goal. Some of us have, many of us, I will even confess to going through a phase where I have no category for this. This just sounded like legalism to me. This is Christianity. This is the Word of God. Where God is calling to us to not to earn his grace but to respond to it with love to faithfully respond to his grace to us in Christ to make every effort we are to strive we are to give all diligence we are to make every effort to do what and again I'm going to back up a little bit are we to make every effort to make ourselves right with God no we have no work to do to receive grace we have no work to do to be justified. What is justification? It's a work of God's grace, right? It's another definition. It's God's act of declaring righteous the believing sinner while he's still in a sinning state. It's God's gift to us of righteousness through faith in Jesus. 
The Gospel comes into our life. We come to faith in Jesus. We trust in Him. We are united to Him. Our sins are washed away. His righteousness is credited to our record. And on that basis, God says, righteous, accepted, reconciled, beloved, child of God, adopted. So we're not working for our salvation. We're working it out. We're responding to it. So we're, our sanctification is a work of God's grace too. It's what He works in us, but He works through means. And He calls us to make right use of those means. Of justifying grace. Of, grow, I mean, of sanctifying grace. Of growing in grace. See, salvation, when you think about that term, because you saw Peter in 1 Peter said we're being kept for a salvation ready to be revealed. If you look up that word salvation, you'll, you'll see it used in more than one way. Sometimes salvation is talking about our initial acceptance of Christ, our justification, our being made right with God. Sometimes salvation is being used, this will help you understand Philippians 2 and some other passages. Sometimes that word is being used to talk about our growth in grace or our sanctification. Sometimes, like the first, over in 1 Peter, it's being used of our glorification when God finishes the work. When Christ returns and we're like Him, we're perfectly grown in grace. We're perfectly sanctified. See, our response to grace, because we've been loved and redeemed, we are called on, indeed commanded here, to make every effort to grow in grace. We have a, if we have received God's grace, if we are trusting in Jesus, number one, there should be, when we understand the gospel, there should be that gratitude and love that fuels a new life. I mean, I remember when I came to Christ and I didn't know anything. Hot mess. But I had a desire for the word and I had a desire to grow. And suddenly the guy who was making fun of the church people was reading the word and, and wanting to hear preachers preach it and wanting to grow in grace. That was just God's work in me. And my, my family was, thought I'd gone crazy and I had. Everybody around us, I mean, our friends fell away because God had, had changed our heart. But because we've been redeemed, adopted, sanctified, forgiven, cleansed, clothed, because of all that is grace is ours in Christ, we're called on to make every effort. I want to say this again. This is not legalism. Calling on you to strive to grow in obeying God is not legalism. It's Christianity. Now, we don't want you to hope in your efforts. We always want you to hope in Christ. But you have a responsibility to begin to think God's way and live God's way and grow in grace, becoming more like Jesus because you've been accepted into His family. It's true grace. See, the Reformers even said, God never justifies a soul that He doesn't sanctify. So if you're not being sanctified... That should be a red light on the dash. If you're just satisfied, you know, Jesus is just a ticket into heaven. I'll take your salvation, but don't bother me about my sin. Don't tell me how to live. That's not Christianity. That's me-ianity, or worse. See, this is the example of many books in the Bible. Um, think about Ephesians. You always get the gospel first and then you get what Cindy calls the therefores of the gospel. So in other words, how should the gospel change my life? Think about the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are the gospel to you. 
God's grace to you in Christ. And the last three chapters, chapters 4 through 6, are what should my life look like because that gospel is true? Go read Ephesians. See that divide. It'll make sense to you. Keep you focused on grace and resting in Christ while you strive to grow in grace. But God's Word calls on us to shape our lives by His Word because we've been accepted freely in Christ. We're called to bear fruit. Jesus said He's appointed us to bear fruit. I mean, think about this. Think about how silly. Now, this is intentionally silly, okay? But since it's that time of year, and I see this all the time. Okay, it's New Year's and you've made a resolution. Right? You're, you're going to get in shape. You've made this resolution. And someone hears about your resolution and they give you a very expensive gym membership. Just give it to you. Woo! Praise God, right? You'd be very thankful. You'd be so thankful for them. And, and you'd probably be thankful to God. So every morning, you get up out of the bed and you remember that you've been given a gym membership and you give thanks for it and you go look in the mirror. Takes a while, right? Next day, you get up and you give thanks for it and you go look in the mirror. A couple of weeks of that, that's really about all you can do. You, give, you get up and you give thanks for it and you go look in the mirror. Nothing is changing. Gym memberships don't work, right? Isn't that the way we treat the Gospel sometimes? We get up every morning if we're being diligent about the Gospel and resting in His grace and we remember His grace and we thank Him for it and we pray that He would change us. And we go look in the spiritual mirror. Well, not today. And we do the same thing day after day, expecting to change, but nothing happens. Why? Well, in the gym analogy, you might go away, like I said, and I don't know, it's silly. Oh, that didn't work. No, that's not the problem. You didn't work. Therefore, you didn't trim down and grow and whatever goals you had because you didn't, you didn't apply that membership. You didn't go to the gym and work. This could be your strongest year ever in 2020 if you will listen to me this morning. You could grow in grace in 2020 like you've never grown before if you will hear me this morning. If you just want to be comfortable and have no problems and have everything go your way, go to a motivational speaker. Go to Joel Osteen, not a faithful pastor. Don't do that. But if you want this to be your strongest year as a Christian, listen to Peter. Listen to God's Word. Listen to what He calls us to. Peter says, because you've been made a child of God, because you've been accepted, now you just kind of take shots at it as it fits in your day. Remember the sermon I preached with the illustration and we all have time for things we prioritize? 
make, look what it says. I really want to stamp this on your forehead because it's not Jeff, it's Peter, it's God, it's Jesus, it's the Word of God. Based on His grace, make every effort to grow. Peter says to make every effort to supplement or add to your faith. And I'm not going to exhaust, this is basically just a challenge to rethink things and to own your responsibility to make every effort this year to grow in grace. And that starts with you being in the Word and on will go. But Peter says, verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith. And I'm just going to quickly go over this. We can talk more about it. You can meditate on it and study it. Make every effort to add to your faith. Look, virtue. Moral power or energy. Think of it this way. A commitment to moral excellence. What is he saying? Add to your faith a commitment, an energy to be like Jesus. A commitment to be making every effort to grow in grace. I don't know, back to the gym. If, if you're just starting to work out, it will take commitment to see you through. Because most of the days, after that first few days flurry of excitement, it's going to take a lot of discipline to keep going. Right? Make every effort to add commitment to moral excellence. Commitment to be like Christ. Virtue. What the word calls virtue here. And then look, you, you, you're, coming, you're coming away from the gospel energized. You're grateful and it's producing love and you have a devotion to be like Christ. Now there's a means, there's a path for that. And what he first, next, look what he next says. Add to your faith knowledge. Knowledge of the word. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Make every effort to grow in knowing Jesus through his word. Big picture, this is all about Christ, right? From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Get to know your God. Get to know his word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rooted in Christ. Father points you to the Son. Spirit points you to the Son. Get to know his word. Make every effort to grow in knowledge of the word. Look at the next one. Self-control. Purpose to obey what you learn. God doesn't move us on if we're just reading for information. You won't grow if you're just reading for information. I'll stay with the gym analogy. Somebody gives you a, a sheet to put on your wall with all these exercises to do. You won't grow by memorizing the sheet. I mean, that, you, can, you don't have to memorize it. You can stand in front of it and do it one at a time. Where, how you grow is by doing what's on the sheet. Right? So add to this faith that is gifted to you, this grace that is yours, having everything necessary for life and godliness, a rethinking of things so that you're committed to loving and living for Jesus. And the foundation of that is a knowledge of God and knowledge of Christ, a knowledge of the gospel, a knowledge of His Word. Look at me, you have time. You have time if you'll take it. You do. Things are taking its place. You thought of three of them just then. You have time. This doesn't mean you have to read ten chapters a day. 
You might read two sentences one day and be richly grown and blessed. I would advise you to be reading more than that. The two-year plan will help you a lot. But we, we have a responsibility. Not, notice in verse 5, and I know I'm being, repetition is one of the laws of teaching, right? Our response to His grace is so that we, out of love for Him, make every effort to grow. To grow in passion. To grow in knowledge. To grow in self-control. I'll just read the rest of the list. Look at it. To grow in knowledge and self-control. With steadfastness. That means you stick with it. And with godliness and brotherly affection and love. The crowning quality. If these are yours and increasing, you'll be very fruitful in in your knowledge of Christ, it says. Because God has given you grace and has justified you, has made you right with Himself, He's reconciled you in Christ. Now He calls upon you to make every effort in grace, not legalism, remembering the Gospel, loving Him, seeking to grow through His Word, but we have a responsibility to make every effort. Look how Peter, near the end of his epistle, look how he sort of ends it. He stays, This theme comes up again. Since all this will be destroyed and the other things he's talking about there. He says, you therefore, beloved, in in verse 17 of chapter 3. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Psalm 1, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right? But, notice how he contrasts it. Now watch this. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. So don't be carried away by lawlessness and the counsel of the wicked, everything that opposes God. But in contrast to that, you, since you've been made right with God and accepted in Christ, now you grow in grace. And that grow there is a present active imperative. It's a present command, which means be growing, continually growing. It's not just a one-shot deal. It's not, you know, this year's growth won't happen in half of the month of January after you make that resolution. It's to be an enduring passion because of Christ's enduring passion for us. So God's grace produces vo- devotion to Christ so that we make every effort to grow in grace. I found another interesting thing that where some of these words come for. It was talking about a chorus leader and I thought, hey, think of the Christian life as a song. At its fundamental level, every song has a chorus and verses, right? And the chorus, we keep coming back to and flowing out of the chorus when we sing, don't we? We, keep, we, we go to it and through it and then back to the verses. Think of the gospel as the chorus of the Christian life. And the verses are what he's calling us to add to our faith. That is Christianity. So that we, the gospel encourages and strengthens us to pursue God out of, out of love for Him in His Word so that we grow in grace and are made more like Jesus. God's Word calls us deeper than temporary goals, than immediate change. It calls us to walk day after day with devotion and commitment to growing, I'm going to emphasize it, in grace. Not legalism. Don't jump the gospel and just go straight to make every effort. That will slay you really quickly. You have to be marinating in God's grace to you in Christ. It calls us to walk day after day with devotion and commitment to grow. True life changes that endure. Repentance, not temporary resolutions. 
I'm not telling you not to make New Year's resolutions. I am telling you not to look for quick fixes. I, mean, I don't like using myself as an example. When I first started going to the gym, I was going to get in shape in about six weeks. That was about three years ago. It hadn't happened yet. But still working on it. Right? Think long term with your growth. I don't know why I keep going back to the gym. If you go to the gym in January, you're going to see a lot of people in there. If you go in February, you're going to see about half that many. And by March, it's just us again, Bobby, and the regulars. Because those resolutions don't grow. They don't have any power to change you. Most of the time, you're looking for a quick fix. And it just that's just not, especially in the spiritual life, that's not the way God works. Think long-term and plod. I want to point you away from just temporary resolutions today to gospel resolutions. <coughs> Committing to grow in grace and to persevere in it. What Peter calls making every effort. So in order to grow, we need to do a couple of things just from the text here. Remember God's grace. You better remember God's grace. To grow in grace, you must never forget, move past the gospel. Remember, Peter says, for this reason, what reason? God's grace. Love. Basically, he's saying, I have loved you. Love me in return. Gospel produces and fuels proper motivation so that we then, too, purpose growth. To grow in grace, we must commit to continually applying all diligence, but let it be gospel diligence. We loved Him because He first loved us. So before you make your resolutions, don't just make physical resolutions. And don't make silly resolutions. I see so many Christians on Facebook saying stuff like they're going to get rid of all the toxic people and focus on themselves this year. And That's not Christianity. That's youianity. The Gospel calls us to invite in the toxic people so we can share the Gospel with them. Don't own your identity from their criticism. Yeah. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, right? Think long term. Think And don't make just physical resolutions without thinking about your spiritual health. God, help me to grow in grace. And attack the, pro the weak areas you see with the gospel first and then the discipline that flows from the gospel. Make every effort. So let me ask you a question. Where are you weak? Where are you weak? Where is your Christianity weak? Is it mostly about you? If it is, that needs a big flex. Right? Looking at our list, how's virtue going? How's your, your passion for moral excellence in Christ? How's your passion to grow in grace? How's your love for Jesus? I mean, the gospel is the answer for that, not, not legalism. But the other thing I would say is don't wait to make every effort till you feel like it. Ground yourself in the gospel. Love and honor Jesus. Don't live by feelings. It's not reliable. But are you, are you weak in your knowledge? Listen, growing in Bible, in Bible understanding, growing in knowing God is not just going to happen. Oh, the, if it, I heard a lady one time say, put the, pillow under your, the Bible under your pillow at night. That will do something. It will give you a neck ache. Put the Bible in your eyes. Read it. Grow in it. Pray about it. 
If you're weak in it, pray about it. God, root me in your grace. Help me to see my riches in Christ. Help me to love you and seek you in your word. The psalmist said, search me and try me and know me. And see if there be any way in me that needs correction and lead me in the way everlasting. How's your self-control? Are you obeying what you learn? Husbands, are you being... I'm, I'm solving a lot of problems if you'll listen to me. Husbands, are you being husbands according to the Word of God? Not according to how anybody else is acting. Because Jesus has earned your devotion. Are you being a husband on the basis of what the Word says to be? I know sometimes that's hard. Wives, are you being wives according to what the Word says to be? You're not waiting on somebody else to change till you glorify God because Christ has paid for your sins and been raised for you and is calling you to make every effort to grow in grace. Children, are you being children according to the Word of God? Ephesians 4, are you obeying your parents because you love them? Are you seeking to honor Jesus' children by obeying your parents? Co-workers, fan, you know, you spread it out. Where are your weak points? Where do you need to attack it with gospel passion? How's your family discipleship, dads? Are your kids being raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? That's primarily your responsibility. doesn't mean you have to do it all. But you need to be sure that it is being done. Faithful in worship. Well, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. But this is the main, when God changes us the most, is when we're gathered in worship. It's His day. He calls us to worship Him. And that should be our joy because the gospel is true. How about evangelism and witness? I'll just go ahead and confess all our sins. Mine too. That's something we need to be continually praying into with the gospel. How about just generally loving our neighbors? These are just a few things I'm throwing out there. Where are your weak spots? If you don't know, then remember the grace of God that is yours. Pray into it like the psalmist. God, show me where there's any ways in me that aren't in accord with your grace. And then attack those. And listen, you may need help doing that. We can't do everything Lone Ranger. This will scare you. Ask your wife. <laughs> ask your husband. Ask your friends. Ask if, if they're Christians. If they love Jesus and are seeking to follow Jesus. Knowing you're going to get good biblical advice. Ask them. And last I'll say, do it in the midst of community. One of the things we need when we want to get in shape, Jim illustration is a personal trainer. Personal trainers identify weaknesses. They identify the ways that we are attacking it wrongly. Bad form, things like that. Right? You need others' input into your life if you're going to grow in grace. God has designed us to do this in community. But make no mistake, we are to make every effort to grow. Let 2020 be a year when you pour into that like no other. Remembering His grace to you in Christ and striving to grow in grace out of love for Him and gratitude to Him for saving you. And maybe start with prayer. Probably start with prayer. Psalm 139. I'll read that to you again and I'm done. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Grant me faith and repentance through your word. Grant me love for you. Through a knowledge of you in, in grace and in Christ. 
through a knowledge of the gospel. May I love you and seek to live for you. See, this year's focus can be deeper than surface. If you focus on God's love for you in Christ, last week's sermon, if you focus on growing in grace God's way, the grace way, if you purpose to make every effort to add to your faith, this can be your biggest year of growth ever. Don't expect God to work if you won't work. If you just want to sit back and not read the Word and all that and then wonder why the problems are there and you're not responding rightly to them, there it is. Love the God who has loved you by sacrificing His Son to save you. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, deliver us from all self-will, from all resistance to you. Deliver us from all legalism and just do more, try harder philosophy. Refresh us in the gospel and in your grace to us and in your thrilling love as Corey preached. And may your love for us, may us knowing that it's not that we loved you, but you loved us first and sent your son to be the sacrifice for our sins. May that produce in us a love and a devotion for you that, that causes us to joyfully embrace, making every effort to grow, to see treasure as what you see treasure, your word, time with you, growing up and applying it with the help of community and in the context of grace. So I pray for us in 2020, I, I pray and ongoing that we would be healthy, spiritually speaking, that we would have a strong and abiding and growing devotion to you, that we'd be people of grace and people of your word and people who help one another grow in grace and people who take you seriously, Lord. Help the fathers to, to raise their children and the mothers to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Help the children to come to faith and to grow in grace, Lord. Help us as one another in community to encourage and strengthen one another in your grace and in, in faith and in growing, Lord. And help us to reprioritize where that is necessary so that we have time for what you call us to. So that our love is proven by a growing devotion to you. Lord, convert anyone who's listening who is not a Christian and grow those of us who are Christians. Help us to think your words after you. To think the way you have put in your word. To respond to your grace. By making every effort to grow. It's in Jesus name that I pray with thanksgiving. Amen.